Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. On SAFM. After one o'clock, welcome to Life Happens. My name is Pimelo Motene. We're going to be with you until three today. Um, last week, I promised that we will try and bring in the Ministry of Basic Education. Um, it just so happens that on Friday, Minister Njimotsheha released a, a notice to amend the direction regarding the dates for the reopening of 2021 academic year and uh, extra measures as well to address, prevent and combat the spread of COVID-19 in the country. So we have asked Elijah Mat- who is a basic education spokesperson to come and maybe assist us with some of those details and what that also means is that you are welcome to give us a call on more clarity if you need to ask 011-714-2006 they have agreed to take your questions and you can also send in those voice notes on 0614-104-107 I don't want to waste too much time he's got to leave at about half past so let me welcome to you to the show Elijah thank you so much for making the time to talk to us good afternoon. Uh, Pimelo, good afternoon. Thank you so much for having us. So the, the statement was released on Friday about some adjustments with relation to going back to school. Could you just give us more details? We have administrators apparently going back on Monday. More details on that? Yes, indeed. Uh, school management teams have gone back to work as of today together with support staff in schools and we expect them to be doing the work that needs to be done to prepare four teachers who will be returning next week, Monday. And uh, when they go back to school, the learners will then follow on the 15th. We know there's a lot of work that needs to be done because it's not a normal situation where you just open and everyone walks in. We need to make sure that all the systems are in place in terms of COVID-19 compliance regarding the health and safety of everyone who works in the school. Well, what have we learned, Elijah, from what took place last year with the, with regards to preparations of schools and managing uh, the spread of COVID-19? Well, first and foremost, we need to make sure that all the necessities are in place. We call them COVID-19 essentials. Uh, every school must have the right supplies in terms of masks, sanitizers, sanitizing stations. All of them must be fully operational, but all the officers who are responsible for safety and the school COVID-19 committee needs to be in place and they need to be fully aware of their responsibilities. There's an orientation that takes place for them. Provinces have committed to doing that again, even though they have already gone through it last year, but they feel that they need to be refreshed so that they can make sure that everyone does what they're supposed to do. But one of the biggest lessons that we've learned is the adherence to uh, the health and safety protocol, strict adherence. If every one of us, uh, if we do the right thing, wearing your mask correctly at all times and sanitizing your hands regularly, washing hands and keeping social distancing, even if you were to be exposed to someone who has it, you stay protected. That's why we say that is the cheapest way of staying safe because you don't need to be rescued uh, from a hospital or you don't need medical attention for that because we are doing it pretty attentively. What are, What is our plan this year with regards to the numbers of students in the classroom? Are there going to be rotational classrooms? Yeah, we'll do that because the situation has not changed. In fact, uh, there was a time when we were in level one, now we're back to three, which means the, the situation continues to be serious. We need to do the same. We need to... Um, uh, to be even more vigilant in terms of the implementation of the health and safety measures that had already been given to schools. 
and uh, making sure that uh, there is no compromise at all because we've already lost a lot of people, teachers in particular, and most of them after December when schools were closed. In fact, in December when schools were closed uh, because they had been going to social events and stuff like that. So some schools will not have the teachers that they had last year. So that should also be used as an awareness to those schools that, you know, it's very easy to, to lose someone if someone doesn't do what they're supposed to do. So even in the department, I mean, provinces like Eastern Cape, they've lost the HOD, they've lost senior managers at uh, top management level. All of those things go to show that this virus does not discriminate, which means all of us need to play our part uh, all the time. Uh, don't let your guard down, because when you do that, you get into trouble. Are we anticipating another closure of schools? Should I mean, there's a lot of anxiety in the air. Talk about maybe there is, you know, another third wave possibly on the way. Is you know because we don't know when the vaccine will eventually trickle down to the majority of South Africans. Are we anticipating another shutdown of schools? No, we don't know. We are guided by the Department of Health uh, through the NCC as well as Cabinet who are the ones studying the environment and uh, conducting and uh, analyzing the research. What is it saying? What danger is the virus posing to all of us? And what our response is going to be there for? So we work on that basis. We operate in the education space and the public health matter, which impacts on the work that we do, it has to be, um, it has to come to us through the assistance of the relevant uh, expertise and in this case, the Department of Health. So whether we close or not, that depends on what the president will say next time he speaks. Uh, We are preparing to keep schools open, but if we're forced to close, then we'll do that. But for now, we're preparing for schools to um, happen as per the Gazette issued by the minister, which means today it's SMTs and support staff, and the first is teachers and 15th is learners. That's what we're preparing for. Mr. Mitlaga, I mean, it makes perfect sense what you're saying that, you know, you do your bit and then the, the health and safety regulations come through. But are we having conversations about, because you and I don't know how long this virus is going to be around for, how long it's going to disrupt our lives, about a long-term plan. Should schools not be able to return to the classrooms? No, we do. We do. Uh, we implemented stuff last, last year. We used over 110 community radio stations. We used SABC 123. We used uh, SABC radio. And uh, we used SABC digital platforms. We had DSTV. We had all sorts of media houses coming through to help learners that are in rural areas. And we believe that we're able to reach a lot of learners because the estimate, estimated uh, audience that all these platforms reach is about 30 million. Uh, so we are going to use that again. We also had partners who came through offering us uh, technology that enabled learning in central places, but also for a teacher in a central place to be able to, to teach. And we're able to also, you know, do online learning where the material was available in those areas where connectivity has reached those places, but also through the Department of Communication and Digital Technologies, we're able to reach out to the ICT companies who came through to zero rate up to 3,000 sites that had uh, uh, zero rated, uh, uh, that had zero rated their platforms because they carried curriculum content, which means whether people had airtime or data or not, they were able to access uh, that as long as they had 
a phone, and we believe that uh, most people have telephones. But also we saw our teachers establishing WhatsApp groups to teach. So education continued in some way, uh, something that the country had never done before. So the experience of last year will help us to do the same this year should the need arise. Have we assessed whether that was actually effective, whether students did actually tune into the radio stations, as you're saying, the television stations? Did they actually attend classes? Yes, we assessed it and it was found that we were only able to reach about 30% of the intended target audience because uh, it's, it's something new. So when you're doing it for the first time, 100% success is not something that you should expect. We also needed to learn some lessons because remember, even with the SABC, we're not able to get the desired slots on TV or even radio because it still needed to operate to make money and still continue with its own business because it wasn't created for education purposes. But we needed to come to certain compromises with them to say, let's carry the, the material and um, uh, find a way to, to work together for, for the uh, interest of the country and the interest of the learners. So we're able to, we're able to do that, and we believe that we'll, we'll still be able to, to do that uh, this year again. And uh, we, we are confident that um, we should be able to, to succeed because the most important thing is also awareness 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 because we need to um, ensure that every one of our target audiences need to be aware of the, uh, of the offering that that's available and we, we thank the SABC. i mean they played a huge role but uh, it's, a, it's an unusual situation so it needs an integrated approach where the private sector and the public sector platforms come together and say what can we do for for the country's education system. Okay, Elijah Mklanga is a basic education spokesperson. He is here to take your calls and questions as well. I do see you, Sfiso. I see a lot of your voice notes coming through. I'll be back with those in a short while. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. Thank you so much for staying with us. So we are in conversation with Elijah Mklanga, who's a basic education spokesperson. I did promise to take your calls. Sfiso, let me start with you. You're calling from Pretoria. Good afternoon. Pamela, you well? I'm well. Thank you for calling, Sfiso. Good. A quick one, Pamela. The, uh, I've got a, you know, my child is, you know, who's going to be attending um, the government school. Mm-hmm. But the issue here is that my child is going to spend three days at home and two days at school. Mm-hmm. Then the school tells me that the three days I need to cater for that for my child. I'm working full-time. My wife was working full-time. So in other ways, I, I would need to pay for someone to look after my child for three days and they pay the school full full amount. What is happening there? Because the school tells us that the government has put out. I'm for life saving, but at this stage, I find you know like very depleted apart in terms of finances. The school needs full amount paid, and there's someone that I need to to uh, to find to cater for my child needs full amount. Where what is happening there? Would you just ask them what is going on? Sure. So don't leave. Um, Elijah, would you like to respond to that? Yes. Um, the, even though the learner is not in school every day, in fact, the first thing is that we need to understand why the rotational system is important. We need to make sure that the capacity of the school is not used uh, in its entirety at one given time because we need to adhere to the social distancing requirement. That's the first thing. The second thing is that even though the child is not in school every day, all the school work that has been set down for this year will still be covered, which means the teachers in the school will still have 
made sure that the curriculum content that the child was supposed to to learn, the child has learned. So all the projects, all the homework and all the assessment and everything, the learn, key learning areas and everything will still be covered. So the work will still be delivered. The physical presence of the child in school, in this case, does not uh, mean that uh, what they're supposed to learn is going to be compromised. So uh, that, that's, that's partly why uh, the, the, the school fees will need to be paid in full. Can I ask another question yes, on that? Go ahead. Go ahead. So then the, 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 the work is going to be delivered, but who, who's, who's going to be teaching the child for the other three days? Me or them? Elijah? <laughs> we, we always believe that uh, the child's education is a partnership between the, the home and the school. That's why we have homework. We also give them workbooks that they take home so that they can continue with, it, uh, with their parents. Uh, when they come back from work. It's always our understanding that parents take an active interest in the learning of their children. So we expect that parents uh, will play a role in the education of their children every day. And, uh, you know, the fact that now they have to stay at home uh, because of COVID-19 is not our desired uh, situation. It happens because we are also forced to keep them at home for their own safety and the safety of their parents. But in this case, we also appeal for some understanding from parents as well to say that for those days that the child is at home, the parent need to they need to find a way to to assist the child to learn um, in various ways. That's why we say uh, neighbors and relatives and other people who are able to assist they need to do so, especially in a situation like this one where both the mother and the par- and the father are working full time and they are not home all the time. But we also find that uh, there are some uh, some qualified uh, people who who are not working and uh, they're able to assist as well. So it, it's really an unusual situation. We, there are no clear answers here because all of us are in a situation that we've never been exposed to before. Okay. So the dropout, that's what the child that has dropped out was attending, your, you know, the government school. And, uh, you know, why he had dropped out when I asked is that the teachers, they come and they do nothing and they sit in a staff room and the child find it useless to go to school and is lingering around in township in Alexandra Day and uh, not knowing what to do. There's a number of them, just like they're not getting into this uh, teaching online, they're sitting on the street and, uh, you know, you know, just a, a disaster. What do we do? Yeah, you're, you're correct. That the, the dropout issue is one of our biggest challenges in the sector. One of the messages that the Director General has been spreading when visiting schools around the country was to tell learners to come to school every day. So that means that when you're supposed to come to school, you need to go to school. I don't believe that there would be a school where learners go and the teachers don't go to class. If that happens, then we need to get information about that school so that we are able to go address those issues there where that took place. But in in most schools, if not all schools, our teachers were actually under pressure. They were actually frustrated, saying that we are frustrated that we are not able to see our learners every day. We feel that every time they come to school, we have to start afresh, particularly at primary school level. So they have been doing everything to try push the curriculum work, give them lots and lots of homework and projects to do at home so that when they come back in their next uh, uh, turn, they are then able to to assess that work and see if indeed all the children have done what they're supposed to do. So again, society needs to take responsibility for that in terms of asking children if they are not in school because 
uh, another group with a school or because they are staying at home because they can and no one cares. So it's really about that. And I, I think I need to thank you for this because you are making an important observation that is taking place in the community, which uh, as society and as education department, we need to raise so that all of us as, uh, as, as members of the community who are concerned about the country's education need to play a role in making sure that we reduce the dropout rate and get all our kids in school when they're supposed to be in school, especially now with the rotational system. Thank okay. you so much for that, Sviso. Anonymous, you are calling from Bugasford. Hi. Hello, how are you? I'm well, thanks, Anonymous. Thanks for calling. I'm fine. Uh, look, ma'am, I have a question here to our spokesperson there. Because we, this side of Sikukuna, not just Sikukuna, but every school, every private school, we have in private school whereby they did not render services to our kids by the month of January. But they are requiring fees to be paid. No service has been paid. Recently, I just got an SMS that I will have to come and get the study material of my kids. And then when I ask, am I going to pay for the whole month because of this study material? They said, yes, you are going to pay for the whole month just because of that. So I, I'm, I'm not sure as to whether... It, are we scamming each other or not in that case? So I want uh, our request, our spokesperson, to assist us in that regard. It's a private school in, uh, in Skukuna or everywhere around South Africa. They are not rendering services, but we're paying for January. How is that possible? Mm. Mr. Um I, I thought you were talking about a, pl- a public school and, until oh, he then yeah. said private school. Then it got complicated. Yes. But uh, with uh, independent schools, they need to, to approach their schools and ex- express exactly that point of concern, if indeed it's a point that they feel they need to raise. But from our point of view is that a school doesn't work in terms of a pay-as-you-go approach. You pay for the entire work that the learner would have done in the whole year. You're not paying for the month. You're paying for the year. So... In this case, our understanding is that the school would have done all the preparations that was needed to be done for them to learn this year. But also, let's remember that it's not a choice of any school not to have opened. It's because of the coronavirus. So we need to also understand that part. But at the end of the day, all the work that the learners were supposed to do this year, they will have done it by the end of the year if things remain the same. So let's open those conversations, especially with independent schools, because I can't really speak for them. But uh, let's open those conversations and make sure that we uh, arrive at some sort of understanding and maybe we can find a solution on how to get around such difficulties. Just help us out with the reopening of schools. Is there a difference with dates that you've allocated for private schools as well as public schools? No, we we haven't really allocated the date as such. All that we said was that uh, we needed two days, I mean two weeks, uh, before schools can can open, and when you look at the calendar and the gazette, it does say that uh, the two weeks that uh, takes independent schools to the first of February, mm-hmm. and then the the dates that are expressly uh, articulated in the gazette is the fifteenth of uh, February for public schools. But independent schools, I mean, they use a trimester calendar, yes. which means they've got three terms. Public schools have four. Some of them of the independent schools they use the public. Uh, the schooling calendar. So those that use the trimester, they can open earlier because they still need to follow um, their, their, their pace, which gives them three terms, whereas um, public schools use four terms. 
So that difference there needs to be understood that it's not all independent schools that uh, are using the four-term approach. It's only some independent schools together with public schools. So when they open earlier, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's because they chose a certain system which they themselves determine. Okay. I really appreciate the time you've given us. I know you've got to go. Elijah Mklanga is basic education spokesperson there. And at another time, we'll bring him back, maybe, you know, closer to when we open schools. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Mr. Mklanga.